Podcast episode 282. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. What a show this week, man. I just finished listening to the episode again, and I am thrilled to bring this one to you. I've got Susie Wargin, currently a realtor with Remax Alliance, currently midday DJ on 1035 The Fox, former Nine News personality, former radio DJ at KBPI, current Broncos sideline reporter for KOA. Former Colorado State University Department of Speech Communication alum, I think that bears mention, and just an unbelievable ray of sunshine, someone I have watched and listened to for years and years and years. I'm sure she's thrilled with me dating her career like that, but what can I say? I've been a fan for a long time, and I've been thinking about this. I'm approaching my seven-year anniversary of this show, and about one year since the pandemic kicked off in earnest. Now, in that time... What I've done is I've pivoted the show a little bit. And the reason is, while we were in the midst of Quarquar, it was hard to find joy. And what I wanted this show to be was a ray of light. Something fun, a diversion, something positive, something that highlighted the work of people I admire. And people whose work I've enjoyed. And to that end, what I've wanted this to be is kind of an audio hug. And I've gotten to express my admiration and my appreciation for so many and the work that they do. Whether that's someone like Susie Wargin, who I used to listen to during my first terrible job working in that bindery of the printing company. When I was working days, man, the Midday Menage a Trois and the Susie Stumper and Bitch Can Count and all those great segments she did really helped me get through the day. I think about all the punk bands I've talked to, bands that I love, the Mad Caddies, Less Than Jake, Strung Out, Make War, Local comics like Sam Talent, Ben Roy, Christy Bukley, and professionals I deeply admire providing insight that is going to be unpopular with their own party like Josh Penry. And beyond that, I mean, anyone who was on my show in 2020 or 2021 or hell, even before that, I am just so appreciative of. I have this platform, I adore it, and I hope it is a ray of sunshine into your lives. Now, I mentioned I've got my seven-year anniversary coming up. I think that episode is going to get released about three weeks from now. That's my target. That's my goal. I'm uncertain about that because I want to tell you this. This episode is being released on Wednesday, March 3rd. On Tuesday, March 2nd, I got my first dose of COVID-19 vaccine. I got the Pfizer one. I got invited to do it. And I think this is important to clarify. I didn't go out seeking to get the vaccine. I mean, I was going to go whenever it was my time. I'm happy to wait in line, let everyone more vulnerable and on the front lines and so on be in front of me. That's not a problem for me. I was happy to wait. But I'm also an educator through Denver Health. And my contact there offered all of her educators, all of her staff, all of her contractors the opportunity to get the vaccine. When she offered that to me, I accepted Because all of the guidance that I've read said, as soon as it's available to you, or as soon as it's offered to you, you should take it. So that's what I did. Got my first dose yesterday. Feel fine. Arms just a little bit sore. It's nothing big at all. It's like I bumped into a door frame or something. But I go in for my second one on Friday, March 19th. And I have no idea how I'll be feeling after that. The most recent episode... 
the most recent episode of this show featured Brendan Reed, who's an immunologist, a postdoctoral fellow at UC Anschutz. And he said he was down for the count for a couple of days. You compare that with the experience of my wife, who has had both doses. She works at Rose Hospital. She had no side effects whatsoever. She was fine. Didn't even experience a thing. So could go either way. Could be somewhere in the middle. I don't know. But I only tell you that because it might affect the timing of my seventh anniversary show. That's all ahead. What I'd like to talk about first is Susie Wargin, because this episode is phenomenal. As you'd expect from Susie, she's effusive, she's very warm, she's incredibly sharp, very tenacious, has great stories to tell about her time in radio, about working in TV, why she left TV, and the transition from being in the public spotlight to having to earn people's trust as they undertake the biggest financial transaction of their entire lives. And it's interesting. I have feet in both pools here. My wife was a realtor for a long time. I've worked in media myself quite a bit. Navigating that transition was very, very interesting to me, and I think Susie's insights are tremendous. We laugh. We swap stories. She gives great insight, and overall, I am thrilled to have met her. I always wanted to meet Susie Wargin. Literally, ever since I heard her on KBPI, something about her was just magnetic to me, and I go, you know what? I'd like to meet her. And so what I did... I just sent her an email and I said, hey, I have this show. Give her a few bullet points. Here's some past guests. Would you like to be on? She said yes. And that's the other piece of advice I'll give you. If there's something you want to do, ask the question. Give someone the opportunity to say yes. Hell, I think about 2020. One of the best things that came out of Quarkor was the fact that I became fearless in my pitching. I was never afraid to ask tough questions. Or I was never afraid to sort of advocate for myself or ask for things. But in 2020, what have we got to lose? Let's make the most of the time we have, and let's give people the opportunity to say yes. That's what I leave you with, because episode 282 of the John of All Trades podcast was Susie Wargin, realtor at REMAX Alliance, middays on 103.5 The Fox, formerly of Nine News, KBPI, and about a billion other things. We get to them all in this week's episode, as it starts right now. No, I was not. And I, and I don't know why, like, I think I went to KCSU at one point, um, and, and, you know, kind of tried to see if I could get involved, but I don't know if I didn't follow up or mm. what, but at the same time in 1990, so I would have been a junior, I was when I was looking for an internship. That's when I reached out to KTCL and I got, I went over there. They used to be over at Prospect and uh, college right there up above the, um, Wild Oaks and above where Jack's was wow. and, or not Jack's. That was not Jack's the army surplus store that was there. Yeah. Got washed away with the, uh, the spring Creek flood, unfortunately. But, um, I went over there just to see if they would take any interns and I got the card of the general manager, Stu Haskell and, uh, had a meeting with him and he's like, you know, you're going to work for me for free. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's an internship. And so I did an internship there and then I just kept going back, which now they wouldn't let you do because I wasn't getting credit the other year and a half that I was still there, but I was getting this great experience doing all kinds of stuff. So I was very fortunate. Once I got in at KTCL, I was like, shoot, I'm going to just stay here. if They're going to let me keep coming into this place and, and doing stuff. Well, for sure. And I mean, KCSU was not what it was when you were there because it wasn't until after the flood that it really became this powerhouse kind of college radio station. Yes. Yeah. 
So it was definitely different. I never listened to it. And it just, I guess I probably didn't feel like I could do anything there or go anywhere there. I probably dropped something off and then never pursued it because the KTCL thing worked out. Well, no, of course. And so this is maybe obviously Susie Wargen, uh, someone I've been listening to personally since probably the mid nineties. <laughs> hey, I'm old too. Okay. What can, what can okay. I say? Uh, we're, we're both right there, but I've been listening to you since, uh, middays on KBPI. That's when I first got introduced mm-hmm. to you. I got to tell you, you really were the soundtrack to and, and got me through a lot of jobs that I didn't enjoy particularly. So first of all, I have to appreciate that. So thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. Yeah. So I started at KBPI in November of 95. Okay. So late 90s into the 2000s. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I mean, I was listening that whole time. So it was like summer jobs. And I, awesome. I loved the, the gimmicks. So, you know, you had midday menage a trois. Yep. And uh, Susie Stumper. And uh-huh. what were the other ones? Am I missing a couple? The Bitch Can Count. The Bitch Can Count. That's right. God, yeah, that was, that a, was a really be special. Yeah. He was like, let's call it The Bitch Can Count. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I can, I've been called that before and I can count. So I guess that's me, right? <laughs> that was fun. You know, that was KBPI. Um, the, the gimmicks, um, that was fun. That was really yeah. a good time to be able to go in there and, and do some fun things on that noon hour. Um, and that was when we were live all the time. You know, now yeah. we are recorded, our little secret that we have. But oh, yeah, it's voice it track. Really fun to be able to, yeah, have that little interaction with people, take calls and, uh, and do some fun stuff. And that was really when email was just starting to come out. So when I had the midday menage a trois and people would send in, their threesomes, we call them, yep. um, they were faxing them in. I think about that. I'm like, I would get, you know, 20 faxes a day with people's threesomes for the midday menage a trois, you know, and I would get a few on email, but it was mostly via fax. So that's, um, I mean, I think back to that, I'm like, it seems like it was yesterday, but technology-wise, it was eons ago. No, totally. And I love the the idea of these little metalheads. Like going with like writing on their piece of paper and going to Kinko's and paying what, like a dollar probably to fax them into you. Right. Or faxing from the auto shop or, you know, right. I get them from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's so wild. And I, so what kind of summer jobs did you have where you guys listen to KBPI? So uh, I worked my very first job. I was in the bindery of a printing company. And I, I have a whole series called John's Audio Resume on this show where I, I go through all my weird jobs. There was one where I was nice. selling painting estimates door to door. So, you know, I had my little Walkman where I'd listen to the radio. You know, sometimes I was like lifeguarding. Sometimes I was, uh, the one I remember most was working for the city of Golden. And oh, so, perfect. yeah, we were doing like field maintenance. So we were listening to you a lot. We were listening to this guy, Graham, who was on 96.5 The Peak. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Graham Nestor. Uh, yeah. You know him? I do know Graham because he after the after that went away, Graham came over and worked for us at uh, what was the, before we were iHeart, Clear okay. Channel, J yeah, yeah. all that. Yeah. Okay, and so Graham's like, awesome. He was so funny too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you two were my favorite DJs at the time, and I was listening to the morning show too. Like, uh, I think it was the locker room back then. Uh, it was. Yeah. So that would have been Willie B, uh, Stout. Mark Stout, and D Mac. Yeah. D-Max that still. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, sometimes we'd be up early getting baseball fields ready and stuff. Uh, so it was funny. After a while, when did you leave KBPI? So 
So I left KBPI. Um, I got, let's see, I started doing full-time sports anchoring at Nine News in the fall of 04. Okay. So that's when I stopped. So I was nine years at KBPI doing middays, nearly nine years. I started in November and finished up in a, in an August. So it's almost nine years. Okay. So and the locker room was still going, but not for very much longer after that, I don't think. No, I, I think you're right. And I mean, I was, I was kind of that weird kid where like, I knew and followed radio DJs. Like I was into that. That was my scene. And oh, I did too as a kid. That's did not you really? weird. That's what we do. Right. Well, that's what uh, folks cut from our cloth do. And that's what made me want to get involved at KCSU. And then KCSU became this big powerhouse. Uh, I was on, yeah, <laughs> I read you started on overnights at KTCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did overnights for a semester. You get weird people calling into the radio on oh. overnights. Yeah. No, when I did overnights, it was weekend overnights at KTCL and, um, all my friends would call. The beautiful part about it, that was when we just started going to having logs. We had music logs. You had to play this. Well, there's no commercials on the overnight. So you'd have all this extra <laughs> yeah. time to play stuff. So I was able to like throw in requests and all my friends would call, you know, the two o'clock, 2 a.m. phone calls and they get out of the bars and they're listening and they're like, oh, play us some Oingo Boingo, play us, a, you know, some UB40, all that kind of fun stuff. So I was playing friends music all the time. And, and it didn't occur to me. I'm like, wow, they're having, I mean, I was having a blast doing what I was doing. They were having fun, you know, coming out all hammered from the bars and, and calling in and then hearing their song. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was worth doing that, you know, time to be, you know, what it, what it led to is very worth it. 100%. And so like, I knew I wanted to do radio and a bunch of my friends still work in radio or have worked in radio. Um, it's just, it's a medium that's near and dear to my heart. So you're back at it yeah. now. Um, but yes. I wanted to say it was funny because you have this picture when you're younger, when you don't know anything about the people who work in these industries. And for me, I always just pictured you were like as this metal chick, you know, because <laughs> you know what I mean? I should have worn my Def Leppard shirt. Idiot. <laughs> but uh, when you showed up on nine news, I'm like, wait, is that the same Susie Borgen? Like I didn't know. Yeah. Like, and I go, Oh, she's like kind of a jock. And so like, that was surprising to me. Did that, did you get that feedback from other people that they were maybe surprised uh, if they heard you on KBPI and then seeing you kind of do sports at Nine News? To what I look like? No, the, or, the or, thing or, I would get or, the most. Or maybe even just the sensibility, right? Because, like, sometimes music and sports, it's not – I think now it's not as big of a sort of separation. But I would say right. back in the 90s, people were a little bit more siloed in what they thought people were or what they were into. Right. So I, I think yes. that's more at the heart of my question. Yeah, well, and I think what happened, I was fortunate enough that, you know, while I was working at KBPI, I also started working at KOA, and I started doing um, sports on the sports zoo and covering, you know, Rockies games and going and, and doing my updates out at Coors Field and things like that. So people were getting to know me in a sports manner from that, and so I kind of sewed my oats a little bit on KOA. And then, so when I transitioned to Nine News, I mean, unless you were a KOA listener, you didn't know that. I knew anything about sports, but I mean, I learned a ton. I thought I knew a ton about sports, but oh my gosh, I didn't know jack crap compared to what I learned when I was really in the field and, uh, and got going with things. So, um, you know, and, and I feel as a woman, I always strive to make sure that I didn't make mistakes. I mean, I looked things over and over and over again, and I'd still make them because we get roasted and I'm like, man, Drew could say the same thing and nobody's going to call Drew. But if I say it, you know, I'm the dumb chick doing sports. And thankfully right. that didn't happen very often, but I always tried to make sure that I was really on top of all my facts and really making sure that I was saying the right thing so I didn't get called out. And then you also have to, um, 
have that fine balance of not talking. I always imagine I'm like, I'm doing sports to my mom. She knows just enough to be dangerous, but doesn't know a ton where I would lose her. You know what I mean? If you start talking too many stats. So you kind of have to have that even keel. But I think, I mean, that's, I got away from your question. Going back to your question, when people would see me, it was really funny when I was in radio, I wouldn't get recognized unless people were like hardcore listeners. Like they, recognize my voice. I'm in the grocery store and they hear my voice and they're like, Oh, your voice really sound, you know, something like that. Sure. Then when you go to TV and especially nine news mornings, everybody watches that morning show. And so, I mean, literally it started to freak me out where I'm like, Oh my gosh, people are like saying hi to me or they know me and they're looking at me funny in the grocery store and, yeah. and they can't figure out how they know me. And, and then I would get the, wow, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were. <laughs> and I'm like, F does that mean? Is Thank it you. Or bad? I'm like I'm five four. Sorry, you know we have chairs that go up and down. I can go down like this, you know. So, um, that's but I still and I still get that. They're like, wow, you're a lot shorter than. And I'm like, how about just say I'm like tinier? You know, I want to be like you know cute and tiny and petite. I don't feel that way. But just call me petite. How about that? Um, but it's kind of funny, you know. And and well, I mean Kathy Sabin is. I mean she's she's tall. Six feet tall. She's so tall. Adele is very small and very petite. So she's tiny, but you know, we have adjustable chairs. So we all look the same at the desk and Gary Shapiro is not a huge tall man either. So he's, he's kind of shorter in, in, in stature as well. So it's just kind of funny that that's the, the comment more so than, Oh, I didn't know you could do sports. It was, it's the <laughs> appearance thing more than anything. Or like, you know, wow, your hair. And I'm like, yeah, it's curly. Sorry. And they made me straighten it for three years because Nobody had curly hair and they didn't know what to do with me. And, and it was funny, you know, the reason I went into radio was because I wanted to be that metal chick, hippie chick. I didn't want to have makeup and dress nice. And then when I went into TV, I literally did not know how to wear makeup, how to dress nice. The gal that um, was the makeup and, and clothes lady, you know, she would go out. She took me shopping. I was like, I literally don't even know what to wear for this job. Oh, so, wow. So I had to get completely educated on how to look for TV because I loved my, you know, just kind of hanging out metal uh, hippie life. Well, sure. And what's so funny to me listening to that is TV is so stodgy in such peculiar ways where you have curly hair and they go, we don't know what to do with this. It's like, why do you have to do anything with it? Oh, yeah, because nobody else had it. They're like, we're going to have to have you straighten it. And I'm like, (laughs) you're like, you know how long that's going to take? Oh, it took forever and it looked horrible. And if there was any kind of humidity, it would become this helmet. So I'd have like this straight helmet. And my husband kept looking at me. He goes, I just feel like I don't even know who you are. And I'm like, I know just, you know, and at that point it was only the weekends because I was doing the prep rally, the high school sports on the weekends. So I wore it cur- curly during the week at the radio station would straighten it on the weekends. When I got the full-time morning show job, I said, I'm getting up way too early. I have to get up at 1.30 to be in at 3. I said, ah. I cannot straighten my hair. I can't. Will you please let me wear it curly? And they're like, well, we'll try it. And then they're finally, they're like, hey, it's really your signature. Everybody's like, oh, the girl with the curly hair. And I'm like, oh, now it's cool. You're like, oh, gee whiz. <laughs> yeah, what a surprise. Yeah. It would have been great if it had been cool three years ago, but I straightened it all that time. So, yeah, and it's weird when I look at, like, my first pictures that I took at 9 News and I have straight hair. I'm like, whoa, that's so weird. But I had straight hair as a kid. I didn't get curly hair until I got pregnant with our first uh, kid, who's now 21. Um, and so hormonally, you know, something changed and I had curly hair. I always had perms. If you see me as like a second, third and fourth grader before I started getting perms, stick straight hair. So it's kind of wow. crazy. 
that uh, that's why I wanted curly hair, so I got my wish. <laughs> I was deathly afraid to have a second child because I thought it was going to go away. How <laughs> how selfish is that? So. Oh, I like my hair. So it switches to curly. You're worried it's going to switch back just for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm like, do we really want a second kid? Because man, my hair is awesome. <laughs> I was going to have a second kid no matter what. Yeah, and well, she's sure. fantastic, and my hair just keeps getting curlier. So okay, that's, that's how it is. Well, it's funny. I have one daughter with stick straight hair, and the other one curlier, like my wife. My wife's is oh, a little funny. is a little bit curlier. Mine is stick straight. I've got product in it right now, but. Uh, it looks awesome. Thank it's, you. It's, As uh, does yours. Yeah. Let's, thank you. Let, let's thank talk you. nothing hair, but hair. This is the hair cast now. <laughs> yeah. What kind of products so, do you use, John? Because what makes it, I mean, it's like, it's on point, man. It's I, awesome. I use Layrite cement clay. Ooh. And so it's remarkable. Uh, sometimes I'll use a little volumizing dry shampoo, uh, a little nice. blow dryer. Yeah, it's... It's it's oh, a whole thing. Okay. Oh yeah. It. I mean, you you got to look good for podcasting. Am I right? You know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very important. Yeah. Everyone cares about that the most. Um, uh-huh. You brought up something that is kind of near and dear to my heart as well, which is the prep rally. Which yes. Nine News is like one of the only places where you get this sort of like in-depth, nuanced, interesting coverage of high school sports. And I say that yeah. as someone who doesn't even care about high school sports. But the mm-hmm. prep rally is something I look forward to like every single weekend. That's cool. And so between you and I, like I can remember a bunch of these, like Jesse Horn did it, and uh-huh. uh, Taylor Temby did it, uh, Ariel Arsudo uh, was doing it, and they got a new guy now, Scotty Gange, I think his name is. Uh, yes. But I always look forward to the prep rally every weekend. Um, what was it like producing that, and how was that as an entry point into kind of uh, doing TV? It was perfect. Um, so I went and did an internship at Nine News in the spring of 2001. So I'm long out of college. Yeah. Um, I was running the internship program at KOA, and a kid came in the semester before, and he was getting credits through Red Rocks Community College. He wasn't going to school, but he was, like, getting his internship that way. I was going to go back, and I was like, oh, one can get an internship without being in school, huh? And so I went to, I, I asked the folks at Red Rocks, I'm like, hey, I'd like to do what this kid did and get some internship credits. And like, well, we can't really do it if you're not going to, uh, you know, doing some other classes. And so then I went to Arapahoe Community College and I found a professor and I said, hey, listen, um, can I, if I pay you guys for the credits for this internship, will you underwrite it for me, basically? And he goes, yeah, just turn in a paper at the end. And Tell us what your experience was like, because Nine News was like, you have to be getting some kind of credit. We've sure. got to, you know, for insurance reasons, whatever. So so I do this internship. Um, I had a one-year-old. I was working two stations at the radio station. And I tell my husband, I'm like, hey, I'm going to take on this internship at Nine News. He's like, I, you never come home or what? And I'm like, no, it'll be worth it. Trust me. I just I want to see how this TV thing works. And so Carol Maloney at that time was doing the prep rally. Okay. And so I would do, you know, work a couple of nights internship wise. And then on the weekends, she's like, you come shadow me. She told me, she said, I know I'm leaving at the end of this um, in June. She's like, I've got a new job. I'm going to teach you everything I know, but it's up to you to move forward with it. You got to bring the crew donuts on the weekends. If you want to get a tape made, you know, blah, blah, blah. So she was amazing. Talk about, you know, pay it forward. I always think about Carolyn. She handed me the golden ticket to nine news basically, yeah. but I had to also work for it too and make sure that I could do it. But she, you know, was so open and honest about what she was doing and, and very willing to help me. So I came in on the weekends and I would work on scripts. Um, the crew who many of them are still there. I brought them donuts a couple of times so I could put together a tape. I gave my tape to Patty Dennis, the news director. She was amazing. And like, Hey, you know what? Let's, you know, work on this, 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 and this, and this come back to me, you know? And so, 
did that a couple, three times. And by the third one, she's like, you know, I think we might be able to do something. You know, Carol's leaving. So how about if we, you know, you have a name in this market? I mean, John, I'd never done TV before. Yeah. I'd only done radio. So, and it's totally different writing for TV than it is for radio because with TV, you have to remember you've got video. You don't have to over talk about it. Let your video <laughs> do some talking for you. And as a radio person, it's very difficult to let something else do the talking for you because we like to talk. Oh, <laughs> so God. I come up with this script and I'm like, Ooh, it's a minute 15. I need it to be 25 seconds. Shoot. How is this going <laughs> to work? So, um, so they took a huge gamble on me to be, um, to anchor the prep rally because I had no experience, you know? So, Kudos to Nine News. I mean, that was a, a huge, huge thing for them to do. Um, and it was really fun to be able to get that experience. And I mean, talk about not being able to pronounce half the names, not knowing, you know, and, and back then it would get more organized as years went on. But, you know, you'd get a cut sheet and it would have, you know, the roster numbers. And then you have to go find the roster to be able to put the names yeah. on there. And, you know, you're trying to do all of this in a little amount of time. Can't. And then the parents would call get pissed off because you said their son's name wrong. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I just I can't. And, and I'm just getting into this trying to figure out this TV thing. So it was a it was a challenge, but very fun and such a great way for me to learn how TV works. I had three years of it. And then to get to start learning how to tell stories and go do some more things like that, which proved to be very fruitful when I got the full-time job. And then it moved from the high school ranks to college and pros and being able to go to those venues and, and tell more stories, which was really cool. I love storytelling. I love going behind the curtain, as we like to say, and telling the stories you wouldn't know about people, um, you know, whether it be with their families or, you know, charity work that they do, things like that. But things that they give you a different perspective than somebody on the field, you know, throwing, throwing a touchdown or catching a pass. 100%. And that's one reason. I mean, we share that. I, that's why I love this show. I love getting into the nitty gritty of someone's journey because mm-hmm. it's always going to be different. And yeah. one of the reasons I single out the prep rally is because there seems to be a lot of tillable earth there in terms of telling stories that other people aren't telling. So there's so yeah. much opportunity because, you know, if you're doing a story about the Broncos, right? I mean, you mentioned KOA. KOA talks about the Broncos like many hours a day all year round, like no matter if they're in season or not. And so telling right. an interesting Broncos story, if you're kind of new to reporting, is going to be a real challenge. Whereas if you go to a high school game or, you know, you're, you're talking to some coach who's doing something interesting or particularly in COVID, what are your training methods? Things like that. Mm-hmm. You can tell these interesting kinds of stories and really level up in terms of journalism, which is why I wanted to ask you about it. And it sounds like that was your experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to, what I always tell people that are want to get in this business, I always say, you know, the, the biggest thing you have to do is listen, which is very difficult for us because we like to talk so much. But part of being a good storyteller and being a good interviewer is being able to listen and to actively listen and cue into things that people are saying because that can give you your next awesome question. It can give you a thought for a story where you're like, hey, would you ever be interested in, you know, talking more about this thing that, you know, your wife does or your, I mean, I have more cool interactions with players and things where I've gotten to know their families you know, because everybody has a passion. They don't always want to talk X's and O's. In fact, they <laughs> don't. That's what they do for work. People don't want to go home and talk right. about work. They don't want to talk about work outside of work. And so if you can talk about other things they're passionate about, their children, other hobbies they have, things like that, they're all over it. And then you get this great relationship that you build. And then when you do have to talk about work, when, 
you know, it's after a game and they've lost and they see in the locker room, they're the guy that still, you know, says, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you because they yeah. know, you know what, she told this great story about me or she cares about me in another way than just what's happened. And I know she's not going to throw me under the bus. You know, she'll probably still ask fair questions, which I try to do, but it's a different level of a relationship. And that's what I cherish the most about, you know, what I've been able to do in this industry is to be able to have that trust with those athletes and coaches that um, they just know who I am and I'm not going to, you know, do something right. crazy. And I also will help them out many times. You know, um, I interview Dalton Reisner every week uh, during the Broncos season for our broadcast. And, um, you know, I'm always asking about his charity stuff. I, I hooked him up with, a, a, you know, a, a, an endorsement thing this, you know, a couple of months ago where I'm just like, they know what I do and, and right. how I try and, um, you know, help them. The smart ones know that we can help them a lot if, you know, they allow us and if they have other stuff they want to talk about, we can be very beneficial to them. And I love being able to expand upon that. No, and I mean, I think a lot of people underestimate what it's like to be an athlete and finish what you finish your job on the field and then immediately have to face criticism and critique about what you yeah. just did in the moment. Right. And, you know, I talked to Ryan Spielborgs about this when I interviewed him and he said, you know, like, tell me an interesting post game question that you remember from, you know, any game you watched. And I go, uh, and he's like, exactly. So these things exist because they need to exist in a lot of ways. You know, you need to right. ask these questions. And sometimes they'll show up in newspapers and you'll get insights in that way. But a lot of it is really rote. So if you establish a relationship and you talk about it, you, you come at it from a place of empathy, a place of honesty. Mm -hmm. you, you can you can do great things. And to your point, it can be very beneficial. It's not it doesn't necessarily need to be as adversarial as it sometimes comes off. Um, right. and, and so hearing you describe that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. You mentioned learning a lot about sports when you went to TV, who was most helpful to you in, in learning some of the things about TV that helped you level up, um, and, and, mm. and how you covered sports? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say like anybody in particular, the person that I think I have, and I'm not the only one in this regard that I have looked up to absolutely the most as far as just helping me career-wise would be Dave Logan. And I look okay. at how Dave is and he, the guy has more knowledge than he's forgotten every, you know, more than, I don't know how that saying goes, but you know what I mean? He, he he's forgotten so more than we'll ever know. Thank you. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, exactly. Cause he just is like, he's incredible. He's a walking encyclopedia about sports. He can tell you the score of every single Super Bowl, who was in it, and probably certain plays from it. And just as one of those those guys where he's got that, it's all right here, and that's why he's so good at what he does. And he was always so patient with me. I remember um, when I first worked at KOA, and I was doing sports updates as the sports chick, and, um, you know, reading off, like, the NHL All-Star roster. And I, oh, I butchered every single freaking name. I mean, but they're all also Russian and Slav. I mean, they're, they're everything. And I didn't know anything about hockey. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I know hockey. I go to games, but you don't know all those specific things. And, um, and he, he was so good about it. And, uh, just was, you know, he would be gentle. He never ever would like correct on the air, but after we get off here, he'd be like, Hey, by the way, it's da 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 da. So just never like tries to show anybody up tries to correct, you know, make them look bad. He, he will correct outside of and let you know that maybe, you know, this is how you say it or something right. like that. But I think he's the one that um, 
I always kind of looked up to to be like, man, I, you know, obviously he's, he's iconic and nobody's going to be like him, but I learned a lot from him and how he conducts everything. I mean, he's got a lot of eggs in, 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 in the basket and a lot of things going on and is able to, uh, to nicely, you know, figure out how to balance things through life. But um, I, I don't know. I, I self-taught myself a lot. When I first worked at Nine News, I got every dummies book. That was before we, the internet was like huge, huge, and it was easy to yeah, find yeah. stuff. So I had football for dummies, basketball for dummies. I had every single sport, and I had them all right there in my cubby, and I looked at them all the time until the internet became better, and I was able to find things a little bit easier on the internet. But those, I mean, it was a lot of, of, of self-teaching and then also just being open to, to learning and, and constructive criticism. You know, if somebody, when I got the job uh, full-time at nine news, I went to Drew and I was like, how do I put together a story? You know, and he sat down with me and he's like, you know, do this, 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 and this, and this, and kind of, you know, put some pieces together. So I just didn't know how to story tell very well. And I really wanted to be able to do that. And yeah. so, and just kind of watching people and, and seeing, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And I do think um, an advantage that I've had and that we have as women and nothing against the men, but I think we're able to establish some better relationships sometimes with people. Um, I've had, in fact, Rick Lewis told me the first year we did the Broncos this last year, we didn't do any interviews, obviously, in the locker room because of COVID. But the first year, he and I are the ones we're in the locker room afterwards. And he's like, you know, he goes, these guys never say no to you. And I'm like, well, that's because I could be like their mom and they're not going to say no to their mom. And I go to them and I, you know, and I said, I, honestly, I think that I, I think they see me around. I'm not a threat. I'm not trying to date them. I'm not trying, I'm doing a job. Yeah, you're and not like chesting them up. From. Like, you know, like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> don't go in my mini skirt. And I don't, right. you know, I'm like, I'm like mom, I'm like mom, I'm 50 year old mom. I could literally be all of their mothers. And so when I go to them afterwards and say, Hey, you know what? I just need a couple minutes, you know, and, and they say yes. And Rick's like, he goes, I can't believe how many of these guys say yes to you and, and you get those interviews. And I'm like, well, you know, they just, they know where I'm coming from. And I appreciate that having been here a long time, you know, and, and he never throws people out of the bus. He doesn't, but it's just a different, sure. um, a different dynamic. Well, it, totally different dynamic. I 100% agree. I've been told it was so funny. I was working with someone. Uh, I work really, really well with women, and I always have. I, I, I work really well with guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, I mean, I, I try to work well with everyone, but some men have a hard time connecting with women. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I I live with a very strong feminist. We met in graduate school at CSU. We we got not only bachelors but masters in speech communication, and we met in wow. that. Yeah, we met in that master's program. And so, I mean, we're, we communicate really, really well. And sometimes we suck at it. You know, like we, sometimes we'll say to each other, it's like, how do two people with four degrees in communication be so terrible at this? Uh, Because your husband and wife, that's why. Yeah. (laughs) And some of that just is part of the deal. Yeah. But there's this team of women that I work with and I, I was trying to articulate something because I lead these trainings and I lead them with a high degree of empathy. And, and make sure everyone's kind of comfortable. You know, I'm not, again, not looking to show anyone up, but trying to give constructive criticism and helping people have their best selves emerge. So when you're doing mm-hmm. communications training, you can't fit anyone into any kind of particular box. What you need to do is just be the guide that that helps them get their best version out. And, right. and so as I was, and I mean, essentially that's what an air check is too in radio or TV. Speaking of criticism that you get immediately after a performance, anyone who sat through an air check knows just how unpleasant that can be. 
yeah. Um, but the point of the the big long circuitous point that I'm trying to make here is that uh, I was saying to her, I'm like, I think I have something of a feminine communication style. She goes, Yeah, you're basically a chick, which I really like about you. <laughs> and I go, Thanks. Uh, that's fine with me. Like, and I, I, I don't take offense to that. I think that's wonderful. Being having an adaptable communication style, which brings me to my next question. Um, <clears throat> have I ever been called a dude because I'm basically a dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love interviewing journalists because they'll ask themselves a question and then answer it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is, sorry, I just did that. <laughs> that's okay. No, that was uh, that was on point. That was perfect. My question is, in terms of TV. You were getting up at what what time in the morning? One one thirty. What time were you going to bed? Not early enough. Um, I would <laughs> try to be in bed by like eight thirty or nine when the kids were little. Perfect. They sure. went to bed then too. But then as they got older, <laughs> I remember one time but I put my Su- son to bed. Susie, that's like, still like four hours of sleep. No, that's five. What one o'clock? So nine. Eight thirty to one thirty is five. Eight thirty to one thirty. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me, John. I got this down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if I could get five, I would be okay. But mostly it would end up being nine. If the Broncos played on a Monday or Sunday night, oh, it geez. would be three and a half because I'd want to stay up and watch it. And and that was the really hard part is I would go, you know, if it was a regular season abs or nuggets game at night, I wouldn't stay and watch the whole thing. I'd just catch up in the morning. So I would wake up in the morning I had a little TV in my uh, in our bathroom, and so I turned that on, watch Sports Center, try and get caught up on what's going on, and start figuring out, you know, in my head, okay, how am I going to stack my show? Yeah. Oh, but as I was saying, as the kids got older, they'd realize, especially in the summertime, they're like, um, it's still light at eight thirty. Why are we in bed? All of our friends are like out there, and I'm like, you're going to bed because I would become just this lack of sleep really does bad stuff to you. So, yeah. um, I would I would be irritable you know by friday we had no social life because you know friday night you're like oh yeah let's go out and i'm like i am so dog ass I'm, wi- I'm wiped i'm wiped and then if you go out saturday and then you sleep in sunday you're screwed trying to get into get, trying to get to bed early on sunday night to get ready for the next week so it was just really and people who do overnights god bless you because it is so hard to have a life have a family do that kind of a shift and it was kind of almost like an overnight not a true you know midnight to six, like a, a radio station overnight would be, but it was 3 a.m. to 11. And the problem is too, when everybody comes in at 9 a.m., they forget that you've already been there for seven hours. They're like, <laughs> hey, can you go cover this thing at noon out of Broncos, They, you know, emergency press conference or whatever? And you're like, dude. You're like, are you out of your <laughs> but mind? I always did. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I did that a lot and that was, you know, we're on salary. So it's not like you're getting overtime or anything like that. So I would end up sometimes working then till 1 p.m., and um, and then trying to go get a workout in before the kids got home from school. And then you literally have that little window of, you know, home from school, dinner, homework. Uh, and I was putting so much on my husband to, like, you know, help them out with homework, get him to bed. He was with them every morning, getting them off to school. And I'm like, this is not a great quality of life. Am I getting to do some amazing things and go to great places? I'm like, yeah, but that's selfish. You know, in a way, it's been super cool, but I also have a huge responsibility at my home. And and it really worked out well for when I, you know, I was like, I'm just, I'm going to go in a different direction. I got my real estate license and um, finished out the last year of my contract and said, I'm just not going to renew. And they're like, would you please still do some contract work for us? I said, yeah, because then I have control over when I work. And it just became such a, A, I got sleep. 
<laughs> and everybody I've talked to, you know, Kyle Dyer, everybody I've talked to has been on that show this and they're like, oh my gosh. And my mom goes, you look 10 years younger. She's like, I just feel <laughs> like you look better, you know, getting sleep. And now I get six hours of sleep, but I really, honestly, John was, I was happy if I got four and a half a night. Um, and I get six now. I go to bed at 11. I get up at five every day. Wow. People are like five o'clock. And I'm like, it's not one thirty. You're so like, you I'm have no idea. So, yeah. I did that for 13 years. Yeah. Uh, well, your journalistic instincts are really good. You I, you had to have sensed, you knew where I was going with that. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's funny. Um, anyone who, who works morning. So, uh, my buddy scoop, who's at KBPI now, uh, does a morning who's show. Who's also a CSU, uh, alum. That's right. Um, we're, yes, we're, I love Scoop. I do too. Uh, yeah, Scoop. Uh, this is gonna rhyme, and I don't mean it to, but Scoop's a hoot. Um, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite people. Me too. Uh, he's he's just a delight. I had him on this show actually. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that that one's a good one because I mean we just we talk radio on that one. But anyone who does that long enough either adapts to it and they become like some ageless vampire like Gary Shapiro. Right. Or who crazy. I, Kristen, uh, my wife asked me one time, she's like, how old do you think Gary Shapiro is? I go, I think Gary Shapiro is 175 years old. Honestly. <laughs> like, he has, he hasn't aged. No. He doesn't age. And I'm like, but you know what? Gary is also very, like he goes to bed by about seven, seven thirty. He's always been super good about that. Wow. Well, it, and that helps. And he must drink plenty of water too. Um, yeah. which, which is also super important, but, um, you, that either happens or eventually you burn out and you go, I can't do this anymore. And, and I certainly empathize with that. Although it's tough because the pipeline of talent that has gone through that nine news morning show is just staggering. And I know. every time that someone leaves, I'm like, man, it sucks that Kyle Dyer is leaving or it sucks that Toronto Thomas is leaving or whatever. Right. Someone else yeah. comes in who is also really good, and there's something about that station that just has an eye for talent and cultivates it really, really exceptionally. So, Patty Dennis called it the magic dust. She's like, I don't know what it is, but we have a. a there was a magic dust at Nine News that they really do hire very, very good people that work yeah. hard, um, and they just have kind of that um, built-in viewership, and viewers start to build that trust and things like that. We. We were all such good friends on the morning show, and people feel that. They know yeah. that we all truly like each other. Um, you know, we hang out together, things like that. And people can feel that. And that's so important because you're in such a, um, that morning show, especially, that's when people are in their pajamas, brushing <laughs> their teeth. They're naked in front of their TV. They're, I mean, it's a very, um, exposed time <laughs> for people. And so for us to be in their homes, I mean, you yeah. think about it. It's very true. I mean, no, yeah, your, home, your defenses are you're down. You're kind of, yeah, you're just sort of open to suggestion too. You're waking up. Exactly. Like, th these are the first people you see every day. Yeah. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. And so to be able to have that opportunity to go in their homes like that, you know, people are like, Oh, I watch you every morning. And I'm like, I see you naked every morning. <laughs> and they're like, Oh God. I'm like, no, I don't, but I'm just kidding. You're like, it doesn't work that way. Point. <laughs> So it always, it's a nice icebreaker with people because then they feel they're, it's so funny because people then also feel like they really know us because yeah. we're there all the time. And so like they would come up and be like, oh, Susie. And they're like, oh my God, you don't even know who I am. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. I'm like, no, trust me. It's okay. It's how people feel. And that is a cool, that, you know, it was kind of weird at first, but then I'm like, this is really cool that people feel so strongly about us that we're their friends and they don't know us. 
but we're their friends and yeah. we make them laugh and we bring them good stuff every morning. And that was really cool. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I even remember another one of your, your gimmicks, the Wargen workouts. The Wargen workout. <laughs> those, yeah. Those, I know. That was Wednesdays. Um, so I mean, yep. you, you can tell, like, and I, I put this in the email when I, when I pulled out, like, when I, so we've never met before, but, um, when I emailed you initially, you know, I mentioned the Susie Stumper and the Midday Menage a Trois. So it's like, it sounds like I am but one in a long line of people who already have this relationship with you, uh, that, that kind of goes one way. But I'm curious, has that translated into success in building a client base for real estate for you? Is that directly attributable or is that something that happens kind of as a byproduct and, and you've had to establish credibility as like a good realtor? Very good question. So I think a lot of people assume that just because I do what I do, it's easy for me in real estate. And it's not. I, I've had to really work at, at building a um, client base because my whole thing when I first started in real estate, I'm like, okay, people trust me to give them a box score and, you know, things like that, stats. Sure. But can I manage through the biggest financial transaction of their life? Two very different things. And people also think, oh, you must help all the pro athletes buy and sell homes. And I'm like, <laughs> haven't had one. Most of them, if they're smart, they rent because they don't stay around very long. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the ones that, and they have their people that work that. And, and I'm okay with that because I, I, I really enjoy, I have worked with um, <clears throat> tons of family and friends and then friends of their friends and friends of their friends, the referral business has been unbelievable. And that's what's really built my business. Now, what has happened is that people hear my name and they go, oh, I remember her when she was on nine. And so you have that built in trust mm. where they kind of know you. But I still have to prove myself um, as a realtor that I know what I'm doing. I've got great processes. You know, I'm going to hold your hand as much as you want me to. I don't just, you know, come in, say hi, drop you off to my 12 person team and then show up at closing. I'm like, it's me the whole right. time. You work with just me and that's it. So it's a really very personalized kind of thing. What's been fun is that because I had no social life for 13 years when I was doing <laughs> the morning show, um, I've gotten to reconnect with people yeah. and that has been very fun. So, I mean, it's just been, and so many people at Nine News have used me and people at the radio station. Um, so it's been really fun to to kind of have that different relationship with them. And then, um, but I do get, like, I get some leads. I, I'm a, a Dave Ramsey endorsed local provider. And so we get leads every, you know, through their website. Yep. And I had one just last week. And when I called her, she goes, I was so happy that I saw your name pop up as one of the three people because, we met at a guitar center remote when they first opened on Colorado Boulevard and you were so nice and I want to, you know, something from you. And I was like, I remember that, that remote that I did. <laughs> she goes, and then I saw you at Panera like five years ago and I was with my friend and I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's Susie Wargen. And she didn't know who you were and you were so nice to us. And I'm like, okay, that's where that part of my life comes into play because yeah. now she automatically feels comfortable when I come to their house, they already know me. I'm not a, you know, schmoozy, sleazy realtor, like we have this perception used car salesman of right. being, and, um, and that really helps. But it doesn't just, it hasn't been a, oh, hey, you're Susie Wardian, come sell my house because you're <laughs> Susie Wardian. No way. Right. Had no. to establish it. Totally. Uh, my wife used to be a realtor. She's now in commercial property management. And I mean, establishing credibility with people is, I mean, it's challenging in to the extent that it's challenging to establish credibility in anything. But yes. uh, this takes on kind of an added level of gravitas because people go, I'm buying a home. You know, I'm signing yeah. up for 30 years of debt, like that yeah. kind of thing. And so 
you know, I would watch her kind of work with people. And here's the other thing. There are roughly somewhere between eight and nine billion realtors in Denver alone. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, and everyone. But you know, there's a very small percentage that are making money. Agreed. And, and <laughs> a, a very small percentage of them that are even any good. Because yes. my wife, her biggest complaint about real estate, and one of the things that, one of the reasons she got out of it was other realtors. And mm-hmm. so she said, working with other realtors, you never know what you're going to get when you're on the other side of a right. transaction. Uh, how has that been for you? And do other realtors recognize you when you're kind of doing deals across the table? That's a great question. And again, I think that comes into play. I have a, a, a bit of a name recognition there. And um, also my mom has been a REMAX agent since 1976. We don't have the same last name. She remarried after my folks divorce, but a lot of people who know my mom, she has established, she's got such a great rapport that, um, and I know agents through her from growing up in the real estate industry. So that has helped, but it does help when, um, you know, right now we're in a crazy market. You and I've had to postpone this podcast three times because I'm like, I am dying. And <laughs> right. this morning I'm doing it again. I had two listings last night that had multiple offers. I wrote three <laughs> contracts for buyers that, and I'm going up against multiple offers. So I'm always trying to, you know, finagle my way in. And, and I feel like, in those situations, I have, if people know who I am, it helps a little bit to where they can tell their seller, hey, you know what? She's not a, you know, fly-by-night real estate agent. A, she works for Remax, reputable company. B, we know where to find her because she's on, you know, commercials every day and she's, you know, on the Fox right. and this and that. She doesn't just disappear. So have a feeling, you know, this is going to work out because realtors can derail a transaction. Oh, yeah. It's not just about the buyers and sellers. The the real estate agent can just jack it up by not being able to negotiate, communicate, or, you know, a variety of things. And so if you've got two people that can communicate well, um, then you're in good shape. And I've had my share of ones where I'm just like, okay, the other end is just not got it together. So you got to do what you got to do to try and, and make all that come together. And that's, I think, where those of us who have communication degrees and yeah. know how to communicate, we can kind of help a little bit and smooth some edges. Sometimes you just can't help and you're like, I, I just don't know what to do with this other agent. We're just going to see if we can, you know, limp into closing here. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we're going to drag this corpse across the finish line, uh, essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we've got we a broken take leg. take back half his commission because <laughs> I just did all of his work. Yeah. No joke. Right. So it's so funny too, because you said you're sleeping now. But I know from real estate, that's crazy hours too, because when people are doing showings, when people are available, it's typically after work, it's on holidays, it's on weekends. I've seen my wife on the phone with her mortgage guy or her inspector Mm -hmm. or, you know, doing inspection resolutions. Have you traded one set of craziness for another schedule wise? Um, Kind of. So it was funny when I, you know, first got my license and I'd have agents say, and they're like, why'd you get into real estate? I was like, I want, you know, better quality of life. And they're like, so you got into real estate? And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. You're like, you don't know TV news. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I would go in and I, you know, you feed the machine and you work and you are working from 3 a.m. until 11 a.m. or longer. And then when you go home, it doesn't stop either because the emails keep coming. And if you don't want to have like a huge pile of 200 emails when you come in the next morning, you have to look through them. So you're constantly in it all the time. And you are working that entire time in real estate. Sometimes, yeah, I might have a, you know, this weekend was insane and I literally worked the whole entire weekend, but then tomorrow I might have all day to not, you know, I'm going on a bike ride and I can go do this. I can go. So I've built in that quality of life. 
I can say no. I can say when I have my workout scheduled, I have an appointment for me. That's, you know what? And, and I couldn't call my own shots when working for um, the TV station as much because you were expected if there's breaking news, it's breaking. You need to be there. Well, I know when things are very important in real estate, there are times where I have to drop everything and go, we've got a deadline and we've got to get through this inspection stuff right now. Or, you know what? Can we go in an hour? Can we go tomorrow at two? Can we, you know, fit it into where it works? If my kid has something going on, I can work around that. And it just gave me this um, much better way of being there for my family, being around and being able to really cater um, so much better to being a mom and being a wife. Good. Well, I I mean, having a well-rounded existence is really important for most people. And so I knew I was feeling unfulfilled when I was in my corporate job. And I go, there's got Mm -hmm. to be more to it than this because, you know, corporate moves very, very slowly. Um, It's like the opposite of, of journalism. Where I'd be sitting in my office just with this existential dread. I'm like, nothing is going to happen here. Like, I'm just withering on the vine. And the thing that killed me was I had to be in that office, like, all the time, regardless of how busy I was. And right. so now you're absolutely right. So, like, that that's one thing that real estate does have. You do, to an extent, set your own schedule, which is really, really yes. good. I do the same thing with, with my job. And... You know, that, you're right. There are days I'll go do like an Orange Theory class at 10 a.m. And, mm-hmm. and I'm in there with all the other weirdos who have their own schedule. And like yeah. that's delightful. Like we're, we're day people. Everyone else is locked up in these filing cabinets. Right. And, and I go, you know what? I'm out doing my thing. So I, I guess my last question is, and I think you've kind of answered this, but uh, are you fulfilled by real estate? And are you fulfilled with your current slate of activities? Because, you know, you're on the Fox. You're, you have these endorsement deals, which are really cool, which we didn't even talk about. And you have your real estate career. Sounds like a pretty good slate of activities. Are you fulfilled by it? Yeah, you know what? I think I am, John. It's it's kind of funny. My whole goal when I was younger, when I was a freaky radio kid, I would listen to KBPI and I would listen to Steve Cooper at night. I would tape his show. I'd play it back. You taped radio shows too. I love that. Of course you did. Yeah, I had my tape recorder in my room and I would tape him. He'd do the top eight at eight. I'd play it back. I'd pretend I was him introducing the songs. He was my idol. And then I got his shift at KBPI when I started working at KBPI because he got moved over to the Fox. And I'm like, I cannot believe I am in Steve Cooper's shift. And then I met him and I was like, Mr. Cooper, I said, you know, I mean, it was just, oh, and he was amazing to me. He was, he was so fabulous. He passed away. Um, gosh, it's been at least a year and I got to speak at his eulogy, which was just, yeah, that's amazing. You know, wow. to, to talk about how he affected me as a middle school kid all the way to my career. So I got to my, my goal in life was to be on KBPI goal in life. Mm-hmm. And I hit it at 24, 20, no, 25, 25. I'm, I have fulfilled. I'm like, holy crap. I'm doing middays yeah. at KBPI. I'm rocking the Rockies. This is unbelievable. So that's when I was like, well, I think I want to do some sports. Okay, I get on a KOA and I'm like, well, okay, I'm doing sports and music. This is cool. Maybe I should try that TV thing. That's what my mom always wanted me to do. But I specifically went into radio to say, no, I don't want to wear makeup and I just want to be a hippie chick and be in radio. So I tried the TV thing. I do that for so many years and I'm like, okay, I've been to the Olympics, to Super Bowls, to the World Series, to the Frozen Four. I've been to all these cool things. And I've got two great kids and a husband. I need to, you know, something else. And so then I'm like, well, let me do real estate. Good to have a plan B. 
I left TV and then the radio's iHeart comes to me and they're like, hey, we heard you left TV. Do you want to come back into radio? And I was like, no, I'm doing real estate. Stop. I got to get this career going. Like, no, we'll make it really easy for you. You just have to work a little bit. And, and um, that was, I did talk radio for a little while with Dave and then it switched over after a couple of years to doing middays on the Fox. They're like, do you want to come back to the FM side? And I'm like, yeah. Plus all the stuff you're playing on the Fox is the same shit I played on KPI. Can I say that? Can <laughs> yeah, I say, can you're I fine. Drop an S one. Okay, it's podcast, right? Yeah, it's, it's the, the, it's the internet, Susie. Twenty years ago, you know. So yeah. I'm like, I'm playing all the same stuff. There are times, John, when I do a, a, a track in between songs, and I will be like, you know, ACDC, Back in Black. I want a six seven KPI, and I'm like. <laughs> Whoops. You know, I go, I go to old school because it just rolls off the tongue because that's all the same stuff we played at KBPI. So, and the real estate has been so much more fulfilling than I thought it would be. It's been, I've been so blessed. I got, I was in like the top 5% of Denver agents last year and um, it's just been incredible. And then to be able to be around our kids while they were in high school get to know their friends. Um, I mean, we just have these incredible adult children that we just are so blessed with. And then to hang out with my husband more, he helps me a bunch. So yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's it's phenomenal. I just don't know. I, I kind of look and I'm like, well, what else? I'm like, well, I can grow the real estate more. Um, I'm really happy with what I'm doing at the Fox. I'm Broncos sideline reporter. That was something I always wanted to do. And, and they called and they're like, hey, remember five years ago and you said you'd like to do that if it ever came up? It's up. And I'm like, shh. Okay. <laughs> like, let me call my family and make sure it's okay. So yeah. I call my husband. He goes, why are you asking me this? He goes, why didn't you just take it? And I'm like, well, because I want to have everybody involved and make sure it's okay. I call the kids and they're like, why are you asking us? Just go do it. This is so cool. I'm like, all right, fine. I just wanted to make sure everybody was all right with me doing this. So yeah, honestly, I have so many cool things and, and people involved in my life. I don't know that I could ask for uh, a whole lot more. It's, it's, it's a very blessed life for sure. That's phenomenal. And as you were telling this story, you know, your goal was to be on KBPI and you always have to find a new mountain to climb. You know what that is? That's a very common athlete kind of thing because how many pro athletes will retire? You know, they, they've spent their entire life pursuing Mm -hmm. this one thing. And I mean, let's say even Peyton Manning, right? He was like 40, not even 40, when when he retired, man, that's still a lot of road in front of you, and so you got to yeah. figure out new goals, new mountains to climb. So it's like, okay, radio Which he has done very well, uh, yes, and will continue to do. It helps when you have a big pile of money, but <laughs> <laughs> money is certainly helpful in that regard. Uh huh. But uh, you know, any athlete, uh, I remember when the Broncos brought back Tatum Bell, and it's like, what was Tatum Bell doing? And they're like, oh, he was selling cell phones in the mall, and you go, what? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and so. Finding those new kind of uh, new mountains to climb are, are always tough. But, I mean, you've done a very remarkable and admirable job in shifting okay. that and, and finding fulfillment in what you do. And just on a personal note, before we wrap up, because uh, I know we both got things we got to do, and we're going to do plugs here in a second, but you've been just a ray of sunshine in my life as a media personality. And so it's you don't well, always – Of course. You don't always get to hear that, but I want you to know that uh, from KBPI to 9 News, I'm not in my car hardly ever. So uh, I'm missing you on the radio now, but now now that I know, we can, uh, we can certainly uh, – I'll listen to you that way. Yeah, you can always listen, you know, the fox.com forward slash listen on your computer. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, that, there's the plug. first. There's the first plug. Uh, yeah. The the floor is yours now. Anything you want to plug, Susie, it's all yours. 
Oh, well, you're very sweet. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, John. This has been very cool. And, um, and I do, I, I love my work at the Fox and I'm grateful that iHeart, you know, wanted me to come back and my work with the Broncos is fantastic. And then, you know, real estate's great. I'm, you know, with Remax Alliance and I'll be going into my eighth year in real estate, which is crazy. I've helped families close um, just over 250 transactions in those eight years. So it's been about 50 transactions the last couple of years, Jeez. which um, is a lot, that but a lot. I've got my systems down and, uh, and, and it's good. And I, and I really do take it to heart that I, you know, really help people because it's a huge thing and, and the market's crazy right now and things are going nuts and people get frustrated. So not only and your wife would know this too, we're not just real estate agents. You become counselors. The good ones do. And you really have to help people go through things um, in their heads as much as their their bank accounts, you know, because it's really a, a very difficult emotional thing to go through sometimes. 100. All the time. There's always different emotions on, on both sides. 100%. Uh, on the web, yeah. where can we find you? Uh, Susie Easy enough. Okay. Those will be in yeah. the, those, <laughs> those will be in the show notes at John of all trades.us as well as, uh, on whatever podcast you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio is another one. Yay. And uh, any other podcatcher where you get your pods, you can find me there. Susie Wardgen, this has been an absolute pleasure and uh, I wish you continued success in whatever you do. John, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me. And that wraps up episode 282 of the John of All Trades podcast with Susie Wargin. My God, what a great episode. What a cool chick. I hope we cross paths again soon. And I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. Be sure to check out Susie at SusieWargin.com. As I noted, you can find that in the companion blog piece at JohnofAllTrades.us or in the show notes, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your pods. Hey, as long as you're there, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps the John of All Trades podcast. New episodes get released on Wednesdays. Episode previews go up on Mondays. That's Facebook only. J-O-A-T pod. As long as you're on the socials, hit up J-O-A-T pod on Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram for all sorts of fun and wacky content. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. The sponsor is 4Degrees. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. No matter what you're doing on the web, running a campaign, trying to reach people on social media, doing some online advertising, building a website, 4Degrees can help you do it and do it better at a cost that's very attractive. They're so good at what they do, I'm proud to have them as my sponsor. Number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm out of here for this week. We only got a couple of weeks left until we get to the seven-year anniversary of this show. My God, that is so many episodes. I got a great guest lined up for next week. So follow me on social, subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.